comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is Logan Stump. I thought you were going to go with the <laughs> the Zen master of all. Your voice like started out. I could very, really like, do it now because I have this new microphone. I was going to say that it even like AMSR. Welcome back. What is it? ASMR? Yeah, something like yeah, that. I forget what it is. It's one of those three. So. But yeah, he's Logan. Um, we had a uh, we had a U.S. game yesterday. That was uh, that was a game. And then uh, <laughs> today we're going to be previewing the Philadelphia Union with Todd. If everything goes right this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, U.S. game didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it after the interview. Not too long, but uh, we'll see how it goes from here. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking with Todd Lewis from the Free Kick Philadelphia Union podcast. Um, We had him on a few times. We're going to preview the Philadelphia Union season as uh, they actually get some more money today on transfer deadline day thanks to the Austin Trustee uh, deal with – What's it called? Uh, Arsenal on deadline day. So that'll be uh, that'll be something. But uh, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to welcome Todd on. And we are back from our break and we are welcoming Todd Lewis from the Free Kick Philadelphia Union podcast. Maryland's number one Philadelphia Union podcast. <laughs> And there's the cat for there's Logan. Cat, yeah. uh, but hey, Todd, how are you uh, today? And uh, good to have you back. Hey, yeah, I was gonna say you beat me to it. Uh, glad to be back with you guys to talk all things Philadelphia Union, talk MLS. We are what uh, less than thirty days away, something like that. So I know I'm super excited. Not excited to go to the stadium February 26th in the bitter cold. You know, we yeah. all am fortunate like Logan where we live in Florida <laughs> and you know, just get to have summertime in the winter, but uh, we'll make do. I was going to say opening weekend was, I think, last year. Well, I mean, it was later last year, but obviously this year it'll this year it'll still be at least 75 when we kick off the season. So um, Yeah, last year was cool uh, they, they pushed it 
they pushed it later to like it was mm-hmm. like April fourteenth. Yeah, it was, it was summer. It was like ninety something the first game. Close, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy. Uh, so obviously we tried to do this last week, but I had yeah. audio problems, and so the week before that I was down in Florida, and I'm so glad that I'm not in Florida last week or this week because I see it's like pretty cold down there, like in the forties at night. So it's... my parents were down there last weekend, and uh, yeah, they were complaining that it was like fifty degrees the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the house when I woke up this morning or the last few mornings it's been like fifty eight. So I don't I don't know how to handle that as a Floridian. So I'm I'm you know texting Jordan to ask if there's like something you can do that's special. And he said just turn the heat on. Um, <laughs> hey, we're, we're at that temperature here. So Jordan and I are. Uh, we got cool. a warm day today. It was twenty seven. The <laughs> high of thirty six. We've bad. been in the like double. Di- we've been in like the. 15s and 10s and stuff. Now, at least we didn't get that blizzard that they were yeah. projecting we were going to get, but I'm sure your listeners aren't here to listen to us talk about the weather, so... <laughs> yeah, well, we're a weather podcast now. <laughs> we are. They're usually in the Midwest, so they're usually freezing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are having Todd on to preview the Philadelphia Union 2022 uh, season before we reflect on 2021 let's go back a few years uh the union move on from uh austin trusty who i didn't think really impressed all that much here for the union um goes to colorado and is now going to arsenal did you ever think todd that he would be <laughs> the philadelphia union export that goes to arsenal uh no i did not why <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if you look at it, it makes sense, right? Because Stan Kroenke owns Colorado Rapids and he owns Arsenal. And so I haven't seen any of the numbers posted yet how much he is going to Arsenal Arsenal for. But I know the big discussion right now on Philadelphia Union Twitter is like, how much money is the Philadelphia Union going to get? They have they had a 25% sell-on clause if Austin Trusty got sold after the 2021 season abroad. And if he got traded during the 2021 season, it would have been a 30% selling clause. But the one thing that, you know, like you guys know, there's so much flaws in the rules in MLS. It's like you think you understand it, but then you get other people telling you, no, you have it completely wrong. And so nobody in the Philadelphia Union community knows, okay, are the Philadelphia Union going to get 68000 I think, for the deal for Austin Trusty, or is it going to be higher than that? But yeah, I mean, Arsenal to see Austin trustee leave the Philadelphia Union where you hear there's reports where there was a rocky relationship towards the end. That's why he got traded to Colorado. And Austin trustee in his first year in Colorado doesn't really play. And then they sell Vines this season, Colorado. And Austin trustee looked the best that he ever looked and I, I don't think if Austin Trusty would have played the way that he played this year for Colorado that the Philadelphia Union would have been like oh man we should have kept him I mean look we got Jacob Glesson side of the deal right and I think I think that worked out pretty well for the Philadelphia Union but the one thing that does hurt the Philadelphia Union is they don't have a left center center back and Jack Elliott did a phenomenal job last year playing as a left left center back even though he's right footed I know we brought in Stuart Finley last season but when you have arguably two of the best center backs in all of MLS, it's kind of hard for Stuart Finley to get into that lineup. Maybe you go into a three in the back, but just going back to Austin Trusty, I think he had a phenomenal season for Colorado Rapids, and you, you knew it was probably a matter of time before he got a move abroad. 
Arsenal? I don't know. I mean, you think of Arsenal as a, well, you used to think of Arsenal as a top six club. Can you say the top six anymore? I don't know. I'm also a Manchester United fan, and I wouldn't say Manchester United are a top six club, just the way things have went the last couple seasons for Manchester United. But uh, to see another American go abroad, I'm, I'm here for it. Whether or not he gets a lot of playing time or not, I guess that's yet to be seen. Maybe it can become like a Matt Mizaga situation where Chelsea brought him from New York Red Bulls and people thought, okay, is he going to play for Chelsea? But as soon as he got to Chelsea, he just kept getting loaned out, loaned out, loaned out. So I think that's probably something we'll see with Austin Trusty here. I agree because uh, I think Austin would not qualify for a visa over there right now because you have to like um, feature in a certain amount of your national team's games um and he hasn't so i i don't think he'll qualify one so he'll have to be loaned out to like probably like a belgian club or something i would think uh so let's get into 2021 then uh second place finish in the east um pretty good for a season it kind of went up and down for a bit can you just quickly reflect on the good the bad and maybe the not-so-pretty aspect of last year's campaign. Oh, man. I mean, where, where, where do you start? I, I, I would... I, I guess let's start with the negative, right? I, I think the biggest challenge for the Philadelphia Union was their worst stretch of the season came from June 20th to August 4th when we went three wins, five draws, and two losses. Uh, we got two points in two games against Chicago Fire, including one blown lead against them. One point out of the flooded stretch, which was a terrible time for the club, where they lost to Orlando City, which, granted, Orlando City always plays really tough at home. And then you go to Miami, where you're losing that game for until the 85th minute, I believe it was. Casper Shabelko scored the game-tying goal, but yeah, to, to see the Philadelphia Union struggle that bad against Miami... And, you go back earlier in the season where we lost our home opener against into Miami this season. And then we had New York city. Yeah. Those two losses were disappointing. You see Jose Martinez get a yellow card against New York city. He scores the game winning goal goal. I believe it was against into Miami at home. And that was just really, really disappointing. And especially seeing how well the Philadelphia union played against Saprissa in the first round of the champions league. Now, granted when we went down to Costa Rica, Saprissa didn't have any fans in the stadium because of COVID restrictions. And then when they come to Subaru Park, a lot of their players couldn't get out of the country. So they're playing with a lot of third stringers and the Philadelphia Union absolutely dominate them. So maybe we were given a little bit of a false hope against into Miami, but it is into Miami out of all teams. I mean, ever since they came into MLS, I mean, just look at all the drama they've had in their team and we obviously took Julian Carranza on loan from them this season, who I think is going to have a good season, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, later on and everything. You see Lewis Morgan get sold away from the club. Uh, Matuidi is apparently on his way out. Bizarro gets loaned to Chivas, I want to say it was. Some team in club, uh, some team in Mexico. So uh, a lot of place, uh, players they, they got rid of. And to see the Philadelphia Union only get a point against Inter Miami, I think that was pretty disappointing for Philadelphia Union fans. But if you also remember that Miami game, that's when Jameer Montero got subbed off earlier. And you could tell from his body language that he wasn't happy getting subbed off. He felt like he had more to give. And that's when all these reports started coming out that Jameer Montero wanted to go back to Europe. He couldn't get his wife back because of visa issues. So he was living in 
Philadelphia just by itself. I believe he has a young child as well. So his child and his wife couldn't get into the U.S. and the team was trying to get her in here. But now for whatever reason, the Philadelphia Union struggle with visa issues where you look at some clubs, they're, they're able to get their players green cards like it's no tomorrow. But it's every Phil- year. <laughs> exactly. Corey Burke has had how many? Yeah, and Sergio Santos this season yeah. had problem getting into the country. Jacob Glessens as well had trouble getting into the country this season. So for whatever reason, the Philadelphia Union year after year have visa troubles. And, you know, part of the problem was Jameer Montero wanted his wife and child here in America, but it was taking longer than they thought. And yeah, he probably wanted to go someplace where he could be with his family again. But I heard from two separate sources that there was a locker room argument between Kai Wagner, Jameer Montero, and Ernst Tanner. Ernst Tanner stepped in and basically told Jameer that we don't need you anymore, that you know, you're know you not as valuable as you think you are at the club. And you know, that's when all the rumors came out that, oh, Jameer wants to go and everything. No, Nothing ever materialized, but Jameer, Jameer Montero was essentially suspended. Uh, the union tried to find offers for him, but there was no good offers for him. And so Philadelphia Union fans were just panicking during the season because you remember too, uh, we didn't have Jameer Montero for the first leg when we went down to Club America. And uh, uh, I'll admit, yeah, I I, I know Jameer Montero is one of the most creative players at the club and not having him in that first leg against Club America, that hurt. And you saw what he brought in the second leg against Club America. So that, that, that whole issue with Jameer Montero was very concerning, but obviously uh, it got worked out. Jameer Montero is still here, and the transfer window just closed today, and the Philadelphia Union didn't lose any players, so that's a plus. But let's see. So I, I, w- I would say those were probably the biggest challenges. The, the Florida stretch, uh, June 20th through August 4th. Uh, some success. I mean, obviously, I mean, we, we, we could be here all day talking about the success. <laughs> Uh, when you go ahead and you look at the points that the club fought back and earned, they every time that they conceded, you know, you didn't think that okay, the Philadelphia Union are going to be out of this match because when they conceded first, they had six draws that came from behind to get a point, and I believe that was amongst the uh, top five best in MLS last season. Yeah, a lot of fans were disappointed where they would get draws where probably should have been wins, but to see that look. Even if this team goes behind, you know they're still going to have a fight in them to try to crawl one back. And yeah, they did it six times last season. 16 goals scored off of set pieces while only conceding three of them. I mean, nine of them. And nine of those penalty, uh, set pieces that they conceded, three of them were from penalty kicks. So 16 goals off of set pieces. This is something that Philadelphia Union fans have been just asking for for years. I mean, losing Harris Mendinian, and who is a great set piece taker for the Philadelphia Union, Nobody knew who was going to step up and deliver the balls like Harris did, but to score 16 piece, uh, sixteen goals off of set pieces this season, uh, that was huge for the Philadelphia Union. And to see them only concede nine, uh, that, that was up there for, I believe, also top five fewest goals conceded off of set pieces this season. You look at Daniel Gazak, he got benched against Montreal, I believe it was, in October. And in his last five regular season games, he scored three goals, had one assist. Reaching the semifinals in CCL versus Club America, where it was the first time ever the Philadelphia Union were in this competition. Casper Shabelko, the leading goal scorer in CONCACAF with five goals. You see the Philadelphia Union finish second in the Eastern Conference, reach the Eastern Conference finals. And you, you even go ahead and look. 
at some of the teams that have been in the CCL and have been bad in MLS. You, you look in 2020 where LAFC, they went to the CCL final, but they finished seventh in the Western Conference. In 2018, Toronto reached the CCL final and they didn't even qualify for the playoffs. So uh, teams, when they're competing in both tournaments, they prioritize either MLS or CCL. And the Philadelphia Union, yeah, they were prioritizing CCL, but they were also prioritizing MLS. But the Philadelphia Union, once they got knocked out, they did a really good job to crawl themselves back up the table in MLS. But they never got themselves far out of MLS playoff spots when they were selling CCL. So to see the Philadelphia Union just be able to handle both of those at the same time, I think that's a strong credit to them. And one other thing that I would mention that I think was a positive and I talked about this a lot on my show, and I think there's still Philadelphia Union fans out there that are a little bit upset, but just to see how the team played against New York City, where more than half the team was missing because of COVID, to see Colin, who hadn't played a game since, started a game since 2019, he played early in the season against Saprissa, I believe, for like a minute. Stuart Finley played excellent. He didn't play a lot this season. And then you look at Nathan Harriel, one of their homegrown signings. He's a right-footed player, played as a left-back, and he played well. I mean, every single player on that field played well against New York City. We even scored first against New York City. But at the end of the day, it was just too tough of a task for the Philadelphia Union to overcome. But, yeah, just a lot more positives than negativity, in my opinion, for the Philadelphia Union. And you couldn't really – sorry, Logan, just to cut in here. Uh, you, you couldn't really feel that, I think, from the fans on Twitter at that point. You know, like um, everybody's really heartbroken. Obviously, I mean, I was I was pissed as well. But, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of hyperbole and stuff about about this team, and I was like, we were down like eleven players. Like, you know, you can't really control that, and um, you know, that's just how it, that's just how it goes sometimes. And unfortunately, we weren't able to pull it out, but we put up a good fight, and uh, yeah, hopefully get back there another time. Um, Logan, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, from the outsider's perspective, I mean, I think all those points are, are valid, but I think it also speaks to kind of going into the next question. Um, it does speak to the, I guess, the abilities and, and um, tactical changes that Jim Curtin can just kind of come up with on the fly. I mean, he does things um, to where it's gotten a lot of attention from different teams in Europe. I know he's gotten attention from other clubs that are interested in, you know some of his services as he does become available he he signed a a deal last year that takes him through the 2023 season um with the club Uh, and i I just wanted to ask you for fans that don't really watch the union can you kind of explain some of his ideologies and coaching style because i he's one that i mean i've watched a lot of union games i always told jordan i probably watched more union games than i did orlando games at times but it was because i mean he, he is he's fascinating to watch i think that he's got the ability to kind of rally these players uh even though they might have some hardships in their locker room or they might be going through some things outside the pitch i just feel like if you're looking at a coach over here that's going to progress to the next level it's going to be jim Curtin. and i know there's a lot of shouts for hey <laughs> if greg's uh if greg's released of duties could jim step in it, it there's always going to be that with jim Curtin. so can you kind of speak to one, his coaching and ideologies, and then two, just what makes him so effective. I mean, he lost two of his best players, and it looks like the union just didn't miss a beat to start the season last year. 
Yeah, well, to uh, hit on your point on Jim Curtin taking over for the United States men's national team, look, Jim's talked multiple times in the press conferences with media saying that, yeah, he, he wants to coach a team in the CONCACAF region, whether that be Jamaica, whether that be the United States men's national team. And he's also said he wants to go to Europe one day. But the job's not finished here with the Philadelphia Union. There, there's more. And I, I know we're talking about the team here in a little bit where – on paper, they might have the best team in the Eastern Conference with the players that they didn't lose this January transfer window, which was huge. What players would the Philadelphia Union potentially sell this window where you know there, there was a lot of interest in players like Jose Martinez, Kai Wagner, but the Philadelphia Union didn't get offers that they thought were good enough for them to sell. And so, you know, they, they have contracts with the Philadelphia Union and uh, they're here until the summertime, but uh, to start the player, uh, start to start the season with the players that we have on the roster, I think it's uh, phenomenal that we didn't lose anybody other than Casper Shabelko, and um, we'll talk about that here a little bit. And another thing I would mention is, yeah, Jim Curtin's not really this tactical genius that people think he is. I mean, yeah, he, he he's a good manager, and I I've talked about this plenty of times on my on my podcast. Jim Curtin's more of a man manager than he is tactical tactical and Jim Curtin relied on Pat Noonan heavenly to change the formations because I remember uh, it was against oh god uh, I forget what team it was in the playoffs maybe it was before the playoffs but Jim Curtin went to sub on El Senior as a right wing back and Pat Noonan's like absolutely not we're not putting on El Senior here and uh, Jim Curtin respects his assistant coaches and I think Jim Curtin deserves a lot of credit for you know Frank Leist, who's the set-piece coaches I talked about earlier, 16 goals off of set-pieces. Phil Whedon, who is the Whedon, who is the goalkeeper coach for the Philadelphia Union, looking at what Andre Blake's done the last two seasons under, under Phil since he's been the goalkeeper coach. Andre Blake's had two career years back-to-back. And then Pat Noonan, I mean, just there's a reason why this guy got the job at Cincinnati. And yeah, it helps maybe a little bit that Chris Albright is the GM at Cincinnati, but it was about time that Pat Noonan got a head coaching job at Philadelphia uh, at Cincinnati. And uh, I talked with Brad Weigel during the season where he he brought up Jim Curtin as the next head coach for FC Cincinnati. I was like, eh, I'm not sure about that. I'm like, what about Pat Noonan? I was like, this guy's a phenomenal leader. This guy's great tactically. This guy leads every single training session for the Philadelphia Union. This guy has been groomed by Bruce Arena and Jim Curtin. He's been with the U.S. national team. This guy has a great resume. So it was only a matter of time before Pat Noonan got it. And like I said, I mean, Jim Curtin, just man manager. He's able to keep the locker room close and tight. And, and just being able to relate with the fans, being from Philadelphia, I think that helps so much just to feel the connections between him and the fans and then the locker room. You don't hear about any problems. And if there are, they don't get out to the get out side of the locker room i know i mentioned the the whole jamira montero situation but not a ton of people re, were reporting on that and uh, that's a credit to just the culture that jim Curtin and uh, just how tight and closed it is in that locker room but yeah i mean the the, the playing style for the philadelphia union last, last season it saw the philadelphia union start with a 442 diamond a high press system where i think the 442 diamond this year compared to 2020 when brendan aronson was there the, the team didn't press up as high up the field this season as they did when Brendan Aronson was there. Uh, the team picked and chose when they wanted to press, and it, it wasn't 
a constant press like it was in 2020. What we saw in the second half of the season, the Philadelphia Union switched to the 4-3-2-1 Christmas tree formation because we had strikers injured, we had strikers in bad form, and uh, Jim just didn't want to play with strikers that weren't in form. And yeah, Philadelphia Union fans want to argue, oh, Casper Shabelko missed so many chances. He was never in form. I mean, to score 12 goals, that's pretty good in the MLS, I, w- I would say. And you, you look... When Daniel Gosling was at his best for the Philadelphia Union this season, it was when they switched from a 4-4-2 diamond to a 4-3-2-1, where you played with two tens. And Jim Curtin was on Kevin Kincaid's podcast, who covers the Philadelphia Union. And Jim said, yeah, he, he wants to play a three in the back this season because he has three good center backs in Jacob Glezis, Jack Elliott, and Stuart Finley. Uh, you could either... You can even play a 4-2-2 system that is heavily used with the Red Bulls over in Europe because Ernst Tenner, our sporting director, he before he came to the Philadelphia Union, he was with RB Salzburg. And he's the reason why the Philadelphia Union switched to a 4-4-2 diamond pressing system. But Jim Curtin also says, you know, it doesn't matter what the formation says on paper. During the game, you're in so many different formations, but you're in, on, on the paper... Most times the Philadelphia Union are in a 4-4-2 diamond, but I, I don't know. It'll be interesting that now that Pat Noonan's gone, they, they promoted Ryan Richter as the new assistant manager. Ryan Richter used to play for the Philadelphia Union. He coached in the academy, so he knows how the Philadelphia Union want to play. He knows how the Philadelphia Union are built, but I, I thought it was interesting that Jim Curtin said, yeah, I, I, I want to explore with three in the back. So to say, okay, this is what the Philadelphia Union are going to play going forward in the 2022 season, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, one thing we do know is he wants to play with two strikers again. So I mentioned a 4-2-2-2 formation. I mentioned the diamond. I mentioned Jim wants to play with three in the back. You could play 3-5-2. So uh, there, there's so many possibilities that the Philadelphia Union can build and you know, I'm here. I'm excited to see what they do. That They have the best team on paper that they've ever had, and it's about getting all these pieces to connect, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw what U.S. men's national team fans saying that they want Curtin as a manager, and I was like, I don't know if that would work. You know, they, they talk about Greg not having a lot of um, tactics. You know, I, I think it'd be... I'm not sure how that would work for, for everybody. You know, a lot of times you're just looking at like points per game or whatever when they're judging these managers. Uh, okay. Ray Gaddis. Uh, let's, let's take the time travel machine back again. Uh, you know, he retired, announced retirement before last season. I think we actually talked about it last time you were on that this, you know, announcement came out of nowhere. Then this announcement comes out of nowhere that he comes back and he's going to Cincinnati. Um, just real quick, I guess, I don't want to spend too much time on this since he's not actually going to be part of the team, but you know, what, why do you think that is? Was he bored? You think and came back or is he just trying to get out of, uh, the union? Like what, what is your theory here on what prompted Gaddis to come back? Oh man, don't, don't ask me for my theory. So we can talk <laughs> about back or we talk about theory. So, um, said so I have real quick, so we won't go down my, 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 my crazy theory about Ray Gaddis. If people want to hear my crazy theory, just listen to my last couple of podcast episodes. It's what us and Philadelphia Union fans have been talking about. <laughs> so I will save your listeners that uh, maddening theory. But uh, yeah, the facts were just 
Ray Gaddis retired because he wanted to be with his family. I believe his mother had some health problems. And so he moved back to Indianapolis to be with his wife. And Cincinnati and Indianapolis aren't too far away from each other. So it makes sense why he would sign for FC Cincinnati, where they struggled defensively and they've struggled, struggled defensively ever since they've been in MLS. So what does Ray Gaddis offer? He offers you a great defensive option going for it. Yeah, not so much, but I, I think Cincinnati are able to admit, okay, look, we'll suck up our fullbacks going forward if we can just stop conceding goals in the back. And so Ray Gattis has you covered there. Uh, two, like I said, I, I think the main thing for him is he, he still had an itch, but he's not far away from Indianapolis. If something happens again in his family, he's a couple hours away from Indianapolis and it's not like he has to catch a flight and fly four plus right. hours from Philadelphia. So I think that that was his main thing right there, whereas being closer to his family and Chris Albright, knowing Ray Gaddis for what, eight plus years, knows how Ray Gaddis plays. But the one thing that's interesting to me is like they signed Alvis Powell first, who doesn't give you a lot going for it. We saw that with the Philadelphia Union. Defensively, he's okay. I mean, I know. Against Mexico, uh, playing with Jamaica, he gave up two goals. Uh, his fault, and Jamaica lost that game two one. So I don't, I don't know. Some fans might be like, "Oh, I, I wouldn't say Alvis Powell is that great defensively." For the Philadelphia Union, though, uh, he looked good defensively, a lot better defensively, in my opinion, than Olivier Baza, who is phenomenal going forward defensively. Not so much. Hopefully, that changes the season. But yeah, it was just weird to me to see them sign Alvis Powell, and then a week or so afterwards, they announced Ray Gaddis. And then I think there was links that they were potentially looking at another right back. I forget who. They also have Zico Bailey on the roster, a young right back. So you, you have three right backs to choose from. I know Ray Gaddis can play on the left side as well, but I think it comes down to him for still wanting to play soccer and Cincinnati needing defensive stability. Ray Gaddis gives you that, and he's close to Indianapolis. So I think it works out for Ray Gaddis. I think it works out for Cincinnati fans. I just hope that his first goal doesn't come against the Philadelphia Union. So speaking of goals, um, they ship out Casper Shevelko and Jordan. I know texting back and forth with Jordan, he's he's never been a huge Casper fan. Uh, he's always been kind of like I'm more of a fan of Casper than I think the rest of the, the rest of Philadelphia Union, Union fans fan base, maybe. But I I don't know. There there's just seemed to be a lack of consistency with Casper as far as and, and I was listening to you talk or on your uh, podcast, Todd, and you were talking about the fact that he did a lot more than just score goals. He was able to set up, you know, loads of goals with just by the way that he can do things in around the box and he creates just because he does pull people away from um, the other attacking forward. So it's it's interesting. I want to get your kind of thoughts on Casper leaving. And then also, um, actually, I'm not even going to try to butcher this myself. They do out, they go out and sign a, a Danish striker. Um, so if you'll just kind of talk about the number nine uh, in Casper leaving. Look, I, I, I know his first name is Mikel. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the last name pronounced so many different ways. Yeah. Aura? Maybe that's what I'm going that with. Sounds I, about right because from what I'm, I've heard, yeah. I'm sure once the team sends out pronunciations, I, I guess we'll have a better understanding of how it's said then. <laughs> but I don't know. That's what I'm going with. But yeah, I mean, I, I get why Casper was sold to Chicago. The, the deal makes sense for all parties. Casper wanted a guaranteed contract from the Philadelphia Union. The Philadelphia Union didn't feel comfortable giving him a long-term deal to a striker that will be 29 years old. Now, granted, it's not too old, right? But 
Casper is a striker who's had a long history of foot injuries, and it, all it takes is one injury to his foot, and he could be done. 2017, he was about to retire, and he had a trial, I believe, with Sunderland. Sunderland ultimately didn't sign Casper. Casper Shabelka gets in touch with the Philadelphia Union in 2018, gets signed to the Bethlehem Steel, scores two goals in three games, or three goals in two games, something like that. He scored goals for Bethlehem Steel in the Philadelphia Union. Caught him up to the first team, and the rest is history. And I, I get right. I, I get it. Where Casper says, "Look, um, I've been healthy ever since I've been with the team. Yeah, I got hurt against New York City in 2019, the last game of the season, going into the playoffs in warmups. He got hurt, and missed the rest of the playoffs, and then he caught COVID in 2020. But when he caught COVID, the season was put on hold, and so he didn't miss any game time because of that." Maybe he wasn't in his typical shape because of it. Yeah, you could argue that. I believe he scored eight goals in 2020, but still, he was the leading goal scorer in 2020, and he's been the leading goal scorer ever since he's been here in 2019. And this is something that I talk about a lot on my podcast, and Jordan's right. Uh, for whatever reason, people on Philadelphia Union Twitter absolutely despise this guy. And I, I just want Chicago Fire fans to know that ever since 2019, there's only been four players in MLS that have scored more goals than him. Number one, Carlos Vela. Number two, Joseph Martinez. Three, Raul Ruiz Diaz. And four, Tati Castellanos. Castellanos had 36 goals in 83 matches. Casper had 35 goals in 82 matches. Now, these are just stats in the MLS season, not including playoffs. But yeah, to see three out of four of those players being DP players, where Casper isn't a DP player. I, I get why he wanted a longer-term contract with the Philadelphia Union. And going over those stats, saying that he was the leading goal scorer the last three seasons for the Philadelphia Union, I think he I think he had a point to get a longer-term deal with the Philadelphia Union. But they didn't feel comfortable giving it to a 29-year-old striker who has a long history of foot injuries. Chicago Fire, they desperately needed goal-scoring help, and they felt comfortable giving him a three-year guaranteed contract, so Casper wanted to take it. Now, granted, I don't think they've agreed to a new year, a new contract yet, but Casper uh, wouldn't have said, yeah, accept this offer to Chicago Fire if he didn't feel like they were going to give him that offer, so it's only a matter of days before they announce a new deal, I'm sure. But look, I, I understand because he only has one career, and if a team's offering you a guaranteed contract... You, you sign it. I mean, that sets up you and your family for the rest of your life where if you get injured, this team's saying, hey, look, we still believe in you. We're not going to kick you to the curb. You're still going to have a contract here. So to, to have that team believe in you, to have that trust in you, to say, hey, look, there should be no pressure on you if you get hurt. You're still going to be a Chicago Fire player. It makes sense for him to want to sign that contract. But for fans screaming... Uh, Philadelphia Union fans screaming, saying, oh, we need a premium goal scorer, trashing Casper. I mean, look, scored 17 goals last season in all competition. He had an XG of 11.4. He scored 12 goals in MLS. So we scored higher than what he was supposed to score, according to XG. And the, the only problem that I ever had with Casper Shabelko is his body language. I think once he misses one chance, yeah, he he's inconsistent, but isn't that all strikers in the world? You see so many strikers miss chances and... And then they're they're out of it for the rest of the game, or you know they they go on these long droughts of not scoring goals. And Casper's not any different. 
other than the fact I would say is, you know, Casper really lets it be shown on the field where he misses a chance and he gets another one. I think he's still thinking about that first chance that he missed where you can see that he's just struggling, uh, shrugging his body. He's getting all angry in the face. He's yelling. And I think it's all mental for him. So if you can figure out, okay, look, just put that one miss behind that, that second miss behind. I think Casper Shabelka would be great for Chicago fire. I would not be surprised at all. If Casper Shabelka scores 12 plus goals this season for Chicago fire, what Casper needs is a player to create for him. If if Chicago can go out here and sign a creative number 10, which I've seen uh, there's rumors that they could sign a DP number 10, I, I don't see why Casper doesn't score 12 goals a season for the Chicago Fire. And then talking about Mikel Ora, uh, got announced last week for the Philadelphia Union, a DP signing. This is something that Philadelphia Union fans have been screaming about for, oh God, forever, right, Jordan? And they finally get it. And it was only for $2.8 million, I believe it was. And I say only, which you look at what some teams have spent for DP strikers. Yeah, it's, it's not a lot, but for the Philadelphia Union, that's a, that's a ton of money. And so to see this guy score 21 goals and 34 appearances last season for Bronby, to score 14 goals and 26 appearances this season for Bronby, where he's the leading goal scorer in the league. He won league MVP in 2020. In 2020. To get a player like that, I mean, I think that's so exciting for the Philadelphia Union where he's fast, he's strong, he's a clinical finisher. He, he was telling us how he plays best on a two-striker system and just listening to him talk, he's super humble. And we, we try to get him to open up, okay, compare yourself to Hani Mukhtar because we saw Nashville sign Hani Mukhtar two seasons ago from Bronby. And Hani took a little bit to get used to how MLS has played, how Nashville want to play. But you saw this past season, I think, Hani Mukhtar should have won MVP. We all know yeah. it won't be Carlos Hill, but Hani Mukhtar played so well. He led the league in goals and assists. Not not each of those categories, but if you combine them together, uh, he created so many chances for Nashville. This guy was unbelievable for Nashville last season. And if the Philadelphia Union could get Mikel to produce like Hani Mukhtar did, for Nashville last season. I think the Philadelphia Union have a, a great striker here. He's only 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. The Philadelphia Union beat out the likes of Norwich in the Premier League. They beat out a team in Italy, as Sola was. They beat out a team in China and Saudi Arabia, a St. Ethian in Ligue in France they beat out. So it's not like, okay, nobody was interested in this guy. And he chose coming to America to play for the Philadelphia Union. He said the first person he talked to was Hani Mukhtar. And people in the media try to get him to compare himself to Hani Mukhtar. And he's like, no, I don't want to compare myself to any players. I just want to focus on myself. And he said, there's no pressure on me. And yeah, we, we try to talk about, okay, well, look at what Casper Shabelka has done here. And he's like, no, look, I, I can only focus on me. I respect the history of the club, but I'm just going to focus on me. And I think that's going to be so strong for Mikhail Ura to say, look, I don't care how much a Philadelphia Union paid for me. There's no pressure on me. I'm just going to go out here and do my job. And he said he has no problem at all doing the defensive work because Bronby and the Philadelphia Union play a, a system where both teams rely on the strikers to come back on defense and win the ball back to press. And uh, get a player that's already used to playing in that system, I think that's great for the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, that all sounds great. I mean, like, uh, you know, I'll compare them, I guess. But when you, when you have about, you know, the, the union 
whose biggest striker, best striker, has been Casper Shabilko, and he's coming from lower level, you know, what, second tier, third tier of Germany, you know, like uh, coming coming from over there and being able to get instead somebody that's like leading their league for a team like Bronby, you know, like that, he, he should hit, the, you know, he may not hit the ground running, but overall he should have a better career if he adapts um, for the union uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, that all sounds great. If he's not going to have any of that, uh, you know, I, I like that. Just focus on yourself. Don't worry about what the fans are going to compare you to or anything. Yeah, and I will say one last thing. Uh, it is funny too, and, uh, that Logan is here. Uh, the striker you guys signed car from, yeah. I think it's funny that the Philadelphia union fans, this is a guy that a lot of people in union Twitter wanted the Philadelphia union to sign a, a big hold up striker. And I guess that's what Julian Kranz is going to be for the Philadelphia union. But it, it, it excites me to see all these players that teams are signing and to see, uh, DC United just signed a striker from Austria, I believe it was, to see FC Dallas finally spending money to bring in DP players. I mean, not only for the Philadelphia Union to sign a player like Mikael or I'm excited for MLS to see players in Europe where, yeah, they, they had other offers to stay in Europe, but they chose to come to MLS. I think, I think the season for MLS as a whole, I think it's going to be so exciting, and I can't wait for it to start. Yeah, the number of guys coming over in their prime. I mean, the fact that they, you know, Car- Carlos Salcedo is coming over from the Tigres, and that's that he's. I don't think people realize how good he is, and, and until he gets here and he's able to just kind of forcefully man his way in the, into that back line of Brad Bradley's. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And like you said, I mean, just these guys are twenty six, twenty seven. It's not like they're, you know, it's no longer the Syria. Ah, it's it's the MLS. We're not the retirement league. It's now switched over to Italy. But it's a. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. Um, and you kind of spoke to Julian Carranza. Is there anything else you kind of wanted added about Julian? Just kind of um, going through him because I know he was very. Um, I, I wouldn't say he was. He had a bad time in Miami, but it wasn't uh, obviously great. Yeah, I, th- I think he was just stuck in a not great situation with Miami. I mean, just pay six million dollars to get him out of Argentina. Obviously, there's talent there, right? Just uh, look at those Miami teams. I mean anybody's going to struggle on that team. So it's hard to say that he was a failure for into Miami where the whole team, in my opinion, was a failure. Three goals in 38 appearances, something like that. I mean, it's not great, right? But the Philadelphia union basically got him more free on free. They, they trade a second round draft pick, which they don't use. They get him on loan. And if he plays well, then the Philadelphia union have a buy option. And so uh, I'm super excited to see what Julian Kranza can do. And uh, Tom Bogert, who I'm sure all your listeners know very well, said that his biggest attribute is what he does defensively. So to hear that the Philadelphia Union have another striker that's not afraid to put in defensive work, that has me excited, even if he only scores eight goals. You know, to see a striker that doesn't stay still in one spot, like, one of our strikers on our team, <clears throat> Corey Burke, uh, to hear Julian Kranza is not afraid to come back and play defense. I'm super excited to hear that. Okay. Um, you, you talked a bit about uh, Montero's uh, unhappiness and stuff. Do you think uh, you, you kind of, I think you may have already kind of answered this a bit, but do you think there's anything we should be concerned about the rest of this year? Or do you think he's locked in for this year? Or is there a chance this summer, maybe, something still comes up? 
Uh, man, you know, it's hard to tell. Um, I think it, not just the Philadelphia Union, but any team in MLS. I mean, if a team from Europe comes and blows them away with an offer, of course you're going to listen. And you're probably going to sell. So I, I don't think anybody in the Philadelphia Union is untouchable. If I'm, I'm fully expecting Kai Wagner leaves in the summertime because I don't know how much you guys were paying attention to uh, transfer deadline day today, but it came out that West Ham were interested in Kai Wagner again. And you look at Aaron Cresswell for West Ham. He's 33 years old. David Moyes apparently isn't happy with their backup left back, and he wanted to bolster options apparently at the left side of his defense. And Kai Wagner, apparently they were interested in last season. Uh, Fulham were interested in him. In him, uh, Brentford this season was interested in Kai Wagner. So I mean, to see multiple clubs in the Premier League linked with Kai Wagner, I think it's only a matter of time. And for the Philadelphia Union to Keep hold, uh, keep hold of him until the summertime. I think that's huge. Uh, Jose Martinez could potentially be a person that's on his way out this summertime. I mean, like I said, I mean, if a team comes out over to the Philadelphia Union and says, "Hey, we're going to offer you five, six million for Kai Wagner," are you going to turn that down? Probably not. If a team comes and says, "We're going to offer you ten million dollars for Andre Blake," are you going to turn that down? Probably not. I mean, no player on this seems untouchable. So. It's hard to say what's going to happen with Jameer Montero in the summertime, but the one thing I know is we have everybody here until the summertime. So as long as those guys can keep the Philadelphia Union in a top three spot in all of MLS, not just in the Eastern Conference, in all of MLS, the Philadelphia Union have to be fighting for the Supporters' Shield from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So if Jameer Montero, if Kai Wagner, if those guys can play as well as we think they can, you know, I'm happy with it. but we'll see what happens. So I want to ask you about El Brujo, um, the wizard himself. And then really, if you look at, if you go back and look at his stats, they're, they're just phenomenal defensively in the midfield. He does things that I think a lot of, a lot of people I think just overlook. Um, I know we've talked, we talked with San Jose and they have somebody that's, uh, you know, that played that role really well with Eric Rometty this year. And he played that kind of just destroy him in the midfield and kind of, progress the attack when needed and did things that you just, I think, overlook on the stat sheet, but it doesn't go unnoticed by some of the fans. So can you got to just talk to fans that don't get the Washington Union, just how good is El Brujo and, and what does he mean to this club? Oh, man, it means everything. And Jordan being a Philadelphia Union fan himself, I mean, look, the biggest question for Union fans was who is going to replace Harrisman Jr. And with his long balls, with his distribution out of the midfield? And Jose Martinez completely surprised me with how well, especially this season, how well he was at distributing the ball. He wasn't afraid to come and collect the ball in tight spaces. He would dribble himself out of those tight spaces, even though, you know, uh, some of those moments were like, "Eh, why are you doing that? You're going to turn the ball away. But now that it just shows the confidence that this guy has. I mean, he was second in completed passes for the union out of 400 attempts or more. And that's, it's saying a lot for a guy who fans thought we were getting for defensive purposes only but to see that man his passing range the last couple seasons since he's been here it's it's been very very good he, he's becoming a staple for the venezuelan national team which wasn't getting any looks when he was playing in venezuela but ever since he came to the philadelphia union i mean he he's upped his career you, you look he he's sixth in mls in interceptions for midfielders he's ninth in mls and tackles one for all midfielders so i mean not only does he do, do it passing wise offensively but he does it defensively like you said and he really does a good job protecting that back four 
And yeah, we, we know that we have a great defense, but so many times teams don't get shots against our defense. They don't get shots against Andre Blake. I was looking at the stats. We're looking at how many saves Andre Blake had. Andre Blake wasn't even in the top five in MLS's season in saves just because of how well this defense does at not allowing teams to get shots out towards the goal. And a lot of that is due to Jose Martinez, how well he protects the back line, how well he tackles the ball, how well he is at just timing when to press the ball. And uh, yeah, for me, I mean, it was either Jameer, it was either Kai Wagner or Jose Martinez. That was going to be our biggest loss if we lost one of those in the January transfer window. Uh, you can make a case for either one being bigger than the other. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we didn't lose them, but yeah, just to see what this guy does defensively for the Philadelphia Union, he's definitely up there for top five best defensive midfielders in MLS, I would say. Uh, the, the biggest question there for him was, you know, he has uh, a little bit of a aggressive side where we saw early in the season, he picked up that red card against Tati uh, Castellanos because he slapped him. But he's done a pretty good job to control his emotions, control his anger. And it is always funny. Every time Jose Martinez has a... <laughs> has a foul his teammates there's like two or three of them surrounding him like stop running your mouth stop running your mouth you're gonna walk yourself into the book so uh <laughs> but look that, that's a part of his game and I, I think philadelphia union fans have come to accept that and uh just to see how well this guy's played year after year for the philadelphia union it, it's been unbelievable all right let's t- take a look at bedoya uh the, you know he's turning 35 this year um captain of the team uh, I guess how much longer do you think he'll he'll stay here? And uh, I think he's already been here seven years. I remember when he got here; it does not feel like that long ago. But um, and I guess uh, how important is he to the mid, uh, to the our younger midfielders uh, coming up through <laughs> Union Two and making the team? Man, I'm I'm just laughing and smiling because <laughs> I'm just thinking back to the last season. How many times on my podcast, the the thing I complain about is how Jim Curtin waited so long to make substitutions or why didn't he sub Ali Bedoya out? Because this guy is giving 110% from the first minute until the last minute. And you can see so many times this guy is limping out there like, why didn't he get a sub? But he, he wants to be out there fighting for the team. And uh, I, I'm looking at my spreadsheet right here, just looking at MLS numbers and uh, CCL numbers. Ali Bedoya is number four on the list of minutes played for the Philadelphia Union with 3,178 minutes played. He started 30, uh, 36 games, played in 38 games. The Philadelphia Union played in 40 games this season, not including the playoffs. I mean, playing most of those games at the age he's at, uh, it's crazy to see Ali Bedoya game after game be up there with one of the highest milers of the match, where I wish I had... Uh, access to Opta's data to see how much miles Alibdoria really runs, but uh, to see when the Philadelphia Union near the end of the game say, oh, Alibdoria ran 7.2 miles this game. Oh, Alibdoria ran 7.4 minute uh, miles this game. I mean, it's just unbelievable to see the engine on the sky. And I, I think, you know, he's he, he's clever and he has to be at his age, right? When he makes these runs into the box and every now and then he'll make the, these clever runs where he'll get behind the defense and the Philadelphia Union will slot the ball into him and Ali will either have a shot or he'll uh, pass the ball to Casper Sergio, find a guy wide open in the box. And uh, just to see him, because I'm, I'm sure you guys remember when Ali was first coming up with the national team in his younger days where he was playing more of a right midfielder. And now he's playing as a center midfielder. And Jim Curtin jokes and says, yeah, if Ali wants to continue playing and add 
even more longevity to his career, maybe he should play as a right back. And I think, honestly, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I mean, his defensive presence is so well for the Philadelphia Union. And I, I think just mentoring the younger guys like Jack McGlynn, Quinn Sullivan, uh, Jose Martinez, uh, Jesus Bueno. I mean, having somebody like Ali Bedoya, who's played for his national team over 70 appearances, has played in Europe, has played, like you said, Jordan, seven years for the Philadelphia Union. It's crazy he's been here that long. And uh, yeah, he slowed down, but uh, he, he's smart, like I said, with when he should run forward offensively with his runs, when he should sit back defensively. And uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what Jim Curtin does with his minutes going forward. Yeah, he's the club captain. Um, <laughs> will he start as many games as he did last season? <laughs> I want to say no, but I don't know. Knowing the competitor competitor that Ali is, I mean, it's hard for me to say that he's not going to start 36 games next season. Um, so it, it's hard to say. I mean, the good thing is Jack McGlynn looked great last season. Quinn Sullivan looked good when he played. Uh, Jesus Bruno looked good when he played last season. So we have options in the midfield. And like we talked about with Jim Curtin tactically, what he likes to do with formations. I mean, the good thing is the Philadelphia Union can do so much with formations, 352, 4-3-2-1, 4-4-2. So I don't know. I'm glad I'm not Jim Curtin and his coaching staff trying to figure out how to get all these players into the starting lineup every yeah. game. Um, but I think Ali Sauer has a role to play for the Philadelphia Union. So I'm going to talk about two newcomers um, last year that, one, I was really – really impressed with uh and two i didn't really get to watch god's dog as much as i wanted to um but i'm talking about leon flock as well um newcomers and i've i felt like early on i mean leon flock i was looking at him play going i wish that my team orlando city had a guy like this it seemed like he was everywhere he was up the pitch down the pitch he was defending he was in the attack he did everything that i felt necessary to to be a really good addition to this team and he feels like he fits the curtain bunch like i feel like the whole thing was is just it's funny that his name is curtain because i feel like they build the steel curtain um sorry for you um raven fan but um for jordan but it it, it really is it, it's interesting to watch them play because it seems like he just goes out and finds these guys that they just love to defend and whether they're attacking players or not it seems like the, the union just kind of do what they want and they can stop about anybody they want in the attack but it, can you kind of speak to one flock and God's dog and how good they were this uh, past season? And then kind of what you expect uh, from them going forward as they get more comfortable with this team. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Philadelphia union fans are going to be happy with the Jordan mentioning the two words steal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, well, we, we, we can say that for another day, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me to see Liam flock didn't even get any game time with St. Pauli where people like forget that, this season was his first professional season of first-team soccer. And to see him play as well as he did, uh, in my opinion, I'll, I'll ask Jordan a question here. For um, who, who were your top three best players for the Philadelphia Union? My top from last year? Yeah, last season. You don't have to give an order. Oh, geez. Well, Blake. I, I have Blake up there, obviously. And I had uh, probably Kai Wagner. I thought he played really well last year. And I would say... Um, I really liked Flock. Now the thing is, I feel like I feel like nobody else did. <laughs> like, yeah, why is he not getting called into the national team? Couldn't they use him? Well, well, even then, like I felt like, yeah, he should have made a Gold Cup, but 
I even felt like a lot of Union fans on Twitter uh, would just always constantly put Flock down and say it's time to move on from him. He's 21 years old. I, I don't really get that sentiment. Yeah, me either. I mean, he played in all 40 games, 37 starts. It's 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 crazy. And yeah, he doesn't offer you as much as you want going forward. But for me, I would say Andre Blake, Jack Elliott, Leon Flock, the best three Union players last season. Yeah, you can make an argument for Jose Martinez. You can make one for Kai Wagner. You can make one for Jacob Glesnes. I mean, the Philadelphia Union played great last season. But th- this guy who had no expectations, we just thought he was coming in here to be a depth piece but to see see him start 37 out of 40 games it's it's unbelievable there's a guy nobody knew of and um Ali Bedoya joked with Leon Flock in one of the press conferences this season said yeah didn't we sign you to be a backup left back and he ended up starting as a uh center center midfielder and so to, to see this guy work so hard defensively where I talked about the union's press in 2020 compared to 2021 was different because we didn't have Brendan Aronson, but Liam Flock did his best Brendan Aronson invitation this season. And imagine having two Brendan Aronsons on the national team. I mean, they were wear teams down. I don't know why Greg Burrowhalter isn't giving Liam Flock playing time. I mean, I, I, th- I think he deserves that. I think he deserves a call up. I mean, you better call up Liam Flock before Germany does because I don't think Liam Flock is going to be here in MLS too much longer, especially right. if he starts adding to his offensive game. Jim Curtin always says that, yeah, he's a great dribbler of the ball, but he always plays it conservative. He always plays it safe because he loves the defensive side of the game. Where you look, Liam Flock was first in all of MLS in successful pressures. He was second in MLS in pressures, sixth in MLS in tackles one, first in MLS in blocks, for midfielders i mean this guy just is a defensive workhorse and um my, my biggest thing is just what can leon flock do offensively this season for the philadelphia union if he can get better at passing if he has the confidence to take shots from outside the box this guy's not going to be in mls much longer like i said and if the u.s don't call him up to the national team and germany does then it's the united states loss in my opinion and i, I think you know, it's only a matter of time before he gets called up to the U.S. national team. But, you know, it is Greg Berhalter, and I know fans always give him a lot of hate for calling up all these MLS players and everything. And so, I don't know, I feel like uh, United States men's national team Twitter would, like, flip out if <laughs> Liam Flock, an MLS player, got called up to the national team where they're tired of seeing Zardis, they're tired of seeing Acosta, they're tired of seeing... Uh, Legit. So I don't they're going to they're going to be asking for Austin Trusty now. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, well, he's at Arsenal, so we got to call up Trusty. So I now actually he's saw, good. I actually saw yeah, on right. a face. I actually saw on a Facebook post in this U.S. group I'm in. They it was like, who is this, and why hasn't he been called in a lot? Like <laughs> he's like, what top six clubs are able to scout him, but we're not having him good in. Lord. I'm like, because he's not good enough yet. Like it's not that hard. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Liam, Liam Flock, I mean, if he can just get better offensively for the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Union uh, this season, I man, we, we thought his 2021 season was good. His 2022 season could be even better if he uh, produces a little bit more going forward. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the younger kids here before we wrap it up. Um, you know, Paxton Aronson, you talked about having two Brendan Aronsons. You know, we kind of have we have his brother still, uh, so we could have him and Flock, I guess. Quinn Sullivan, Jack McLinn. I mean, how much do you think they'll actually uh, play? I feel like 
we thought we'd see more Paxton than we did last year. Um, I'm worried we won't see him a lot this year, and then he's probably going to be off like uh, Salzburg is tracking him. Salzburg is going to be selling Brendan to Leeds in the summer, it sounds like. So they're priming up you know, the interest for uh, his brother to kind of slot right in there. Um, but I feel like he will never have, I guess, as much of a chance with us as his brother did. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that way too. And uh, look, I'll go back to a point that you made, Jordan, about what what happens with Jameer Montero. Look, if the Philadelphia Union would have sold Jameer Montero this January window, I, I wouldn't have panicked at all because if you want to play a 4-3-2-1, you put Paxton Aronson in there right next to Daniel Gazog. And we saw last season just maybe not at the beginning of the season where he made his debut against Portland where he was a little bit timid, but... As the season went on, this guy wasn't afraid to take players on one-on-one. He was always getting touches inside of the box. He scored three goals, I want to say it was, last season. Maybe four or three, I want to say it was. Uh, scored a great goal. Great goal against New England, against Matt Turner, who you know, everybody says was the best goalkeeper in MLS last season. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that debate uh, for another time as well. Andre Blake, Matt Turner, two great goalkeepers. But to see like Paxson Aronson just... As the season went on, just more and more confidence going forward, getting involved with his teammates where his teammates weren't afraid to pass him the ball. They they trust Paxton Aronson taking players on one-on-one. And Rusty Aronson, who's Paxton and Brendan's dad, Jim Curtin and Ernst Tanner, they they told us before Paxton Aronson even stepped foot on the field for the Philadelphia Union that Paxton was more advanced attacking-wise than Brendan was at his age. And I think we saw that too because when Brendan Aronson came up with the Philadelphia Union. He did a lot of work defensively, and yeah, he had a lot of good passes, but I think a lot of Brendan's game with the Philadelphia Union was the defensive side of it. And now we see him with Salzburg. We see him with the national team, where this guy's not afraid to take players on one-on-one. This guy's playing up in a more advanced role with Salzburg, with the U.S. men's national team. And that's a credit to Salzburg for developing Brendan Aronson even higher than what the Philadelphia Union did. And that's not to say that the Philadelphia Union couldn't have got Brendan to where he is right now, but Brendan's playing in the Champions League. He's playing against higher competitions, and he's playing against... I want to say the Austrian League's that, that strong, but he's playing in Europe, and, you know, it's you know, it's not MLS and um, no teams are fighting for relegation over there. So, I mean, over here in America, teams really don't have anything to fight for. If they finish in last, it's not like they get relegated where teams in Austria, they don't want to get relegated. So they're not afraid to rough you up. Teams in Europe aren't afraid to rough you up. So Brendan Aronson had to get used to that physicality where, yeah, MLS is a physical league, but I think, you know, Brendan just excelled even higher than what he did with the Philadelphia Union, like he's doing right now with RB Salzburg. So, yeah, I mean, to see Paxson Aronson just offensively great. Um, yeah, you want to see him add some more muscle to his body, not get pushed off the ball any more, any more than what he did last season. But we were saying the same thing about Brendan Aronson, right? And uh, we'll, we'll take those soft fouls, right, just because he's a little bit skinnier and everything. But I, I was just, like, so blown away with how well offensively Paxton Aronson played for the Philadelphia Union and Jack McGlynn in my opinion I thought he was the best homegrown last season uh, he had an XA uh, expected assist of 2.1 which was the most of all the homegrowns he was eighth on the team in key passes and, and keep in mind Jack McGlynn last season only played in 19 games 
seven starts. He was fourth on the union with completed medium passes of 150 passes or more, not counting goalkeepers. Yeah, and only to play play in 19 games, including CCL. I mean, to see how well this guy is at passing, I think he has a left foot just as good as Harris Mandunian, and maybe not as good, but you can see that one day it's going to be as good, maybe not better than Harris Mandunian's was. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Jack McGlynn might be the first one gone and not Paxton Aronson. I feel like we could hold on to Paxton Aronson for this whole season and then maybe the start of the 2023 season and then by the time summer comes maybe sell Paxton Aronson but Jack McGlynn I mean you guys saw this penalty against Nashville I mean that's unreal to step up say I want a penalty against Nashville where I need to make this penalty and he couldn't have hit a better better penalty penalty man this guy is just unbelievable what he does just spreading the ball out creating chance after chance so I don't know I, I wouldn't mind seeing Jack McGlynn split starting time with Ali Bedoya next season. Like I said, I'm glad I'm not Jim Curtin picking the lineup for each game. But I think these these young kids, Nate Harriel, Paxton Aronson, Quinn Sullivan, Jack McGlynn, I think they're good enough to start for the Philadelphia Union. And I'm so glad the U.S. Open Cup's finally back for MLS because we're going to see a lot of the younger players for the Philadelphia Union in this competition. And that's only going to help them get even better when they can play in the U.S. Open Cup when they can play in MLS Cup. So, yeah, the more competitions for the uh, these younger players, the better. All right, so my favorite question here, uh, expectations. What is a successful season for the Philadelphia Union in 2022? It's MLS or bust. I mean, you spend $2.8 million on a DP striker, you only lose Casper Schabelko in the winter transfer window i talked about earlier where the philadelphia union by the time the summertime hits they need to be in the top three not just in the eastern conference and all of mls they need to be fighting for the supporter shield because on paper they look like they have the best team in the eastern conference if you want to argue they don't have the best team on paper you got to give me at least top three in the eastern conference i mean to see the philadelphia union just be able to keep the core of this team still intact that's that's tough for a lot of teams to say in MLS. And I think, you know, yeah, the Philadelphia Union don't have a lot of flashy names like some teams have. They don't have players that people are, are aware of. But to keep that core team still together four years in, that, that that's unheard of in MLS. And so I think the Philadelphia Union have a very, very good chance to fight for the, the supporters' shield again to fight for MLS Cup and... Um, Man, if, if they got knocked down in the first round of the playoffs, if they didn't make the playoffs, oh man, I, I don't even want to think about what it's going to be like in Philadelphia. So I would say, yeah. <laughs> All right, Todd, where can people find your show? Uh, yeah, you can find my podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Free Kick Pod if you guys want to give it a follow. Uh, check out the podcast of The Free Kick uh, wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And yeah, I, I talk all Philadelphia Union and during the week, like you guys do, I try to get a commentator on from one of the other teams that the Philadelphia Union are about to play because look, uh, you, as you guys know, you guys can do all the research in the world on a team that you're about to cover, but it's not as good as getting somebody that covers this team week in, week out. Yeah. So I really enjoy talking to different commentators for teams around MLS, talking to journalists and um, 
Kirby Price. Uh, I want to give him a shout out. Uh, I, I took him off of your show. I mean, he was phenomenal on your show, and look what he's doing. He left the beat for Inter Miami, went to cover the Miami Hurricanes, which was a huge deal. And after doing that for a couple months, now he's covering the Miami, I mean, <laughs> the uh, Orlando Magic. I mean, to see this guy progress so fast, I mean, th this is this is what you love to see. People get their start in MLS and progress, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's a journalist. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's wonderful to see MLS continue to grow. And I don't know, in 10 years, MLS could be up there with the best leagues in the world. And uh, to see you guys continue to grow your show, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And I, I just really, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, preview the 2020 Philadelphia Union season. And it's always a blast to talk to you guys because uh, you guys just, like I said, your, your, your show is growing great. You guys have a lot of great ideas and um, you guys have great chemistry and uh, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Oh, thanks, Todd. We're just <laughs> good on the air. We don't like each other often. Yeah. No, this, <laughs> what makes the chemistry other. good? We're just like any good rock band, you know, where they have arguments uh, backstage. Um, but yeah, that's Todd Lewis. And we are back from our interview with Todd Lewis. Thank you, Todd, for coming back on. And sorry, StreamYard was uh, such a pain. Um, if anybody out there has problems, try Firefox. That's what we've learned from, from this excursion. Well, uh, let's not talk U.S. men's national team because this episode has gone way too long. Uh, we can try to fit that in uh, another time. But uh, I guess real quick, Logan, are you on the MLS or bust, uh, MLS Cup or bust train here? We were just talking with Chris how uh, sometimes it's a little naive. I do think for the union it has to be Eastern Conference Final or MLS Cup Final. I'm not saying lifting the cup. I think you have to show progress. You'd have your full squad back. You're adding a top striker. There has to be some sort of progression here, even if you finish like third in the table, but trying to really make a bigger push in the playoffs to get as close as you can. Yeah, you're going to have the best defense in the MLS um, if they're all healthy and they stay through the summer, um, which I, it does sound likely that they'll, I think a lot of them are going to stay. And even if you lose like a Kai Wagner, I think it's, it'll be where I think you'll, you'll find something else. And I, again, Philly's like finding diamonds in the rough. So they just kind of just fill in those spots as needed. I think Leon Flock can actually play some of those positions too. So it really, I mean, honestly, you start to look around at this team, the depth, the kids are going to get better to the three that they have come off the bench and they're going to be spectacular. Much like he was talking about um, when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about a Pax and Aronson, that's only going to get better. I was looking at his stats, Jordan. He's got like, 0.45 goals a match. He's like, what, 18 or something like that. Um, and he's just figured out this league. He's not quite got the physical attributes yet, but I think he's getting that as he does progress. This kid is like barely on the cusp of a great career. Um, it's only a matter of time. And I think he'll get a lot of that this year. I think he'll get a lot of run because I think they do have some aging in midfield um, that we talked about. But I, I do think, again, this team is so solid. The revs got a lot weaker um, and they're going to get a lot weaker. They're going to lose their, the best goalkeeper arguably besides the other best goalkeeper, which is on the union. So it, it really is. It's it, everything seems to be coming together for the union. Nashville is leaving the East Orlando's weak Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta will be better. So they'll kind of challenge in the East too. Um, but again, they, they might not, if, depending on how the situation works out with everything, uh, as far as their young players that are on the move currently. Um, but it, it is, it, it seems like this is the union's East to lose. And 
I would say the same thing. If it's not the Eastern Conference final getting to it, then it has to be the, the MLS Cup final. Do I think they'll win it? Obviously, I don't know because I think the West is pretty strong. But again, if it's you know home field and it's at, at uh, Subaru, there's not many teams that are beating the Union in the Subaru Park uh, after they kind of fix up some of the problems they had last year. But no, I agree 100%. This is their East to lose. Uh, so that means we're going to have a bad season. Like that's we, you know, that's what everybody thought about the crew <laughs> last year. Yeah, but you guys have depth. Where the crew, they had yeah. really good eleven. After that, that and then you saw it though. Like you saw yeah. when Darlington got hurt, when Aiden Morris got hurt, when you got all these guys that are getting hurt. When uh, Kevin Molino barely plays, um, Zardes hurt every once in a while. Lucas Elrond wasn't as good as he had been. Like the Union don't have that issue. The Union have depth. And they've got a lot of money, so if they really wanted to spend it or needed to spend it, I totally think they can in the summer, which also makes them very dangerous because of how much money they've made in the market. And so, Jordan, if you need a right back at the end of the, you know, the summer, boom, you've got one. Because I think that they would just – they're not going to overspend because that's not what the union do, but spend enough to just get in the replacement. All right. Do you know what time it is? Time to end it. It's time to sign off here. Time to sign off. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, email Stateside Show at gmail.com. Do you know what this song's called, Logan? Uh, I don't know. Unionized. Called Night Driving, which I'm about to do. I have to go hit the grocery <laughs> store. So we're going to back it up here. This is perfect. And we will see you all next time when we preview Charlotte, the newest newcomer to the East. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Jordan, can you say the curtain's closed? Curtain's wide open. (laughs) MLS Cup, baby. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.